would like to continue on today in our study of 1 Peter. We're going to continue to talk about what it means to do right in the sight of God, no matter what people are doing around us. We live in a world that is kind of going crazy. And there's a lot of strange things going on around us, and we really can be impacted by the things of this world if we're not careful. And so today, Peter is talking to us about how we do that. And this really goes back to some of the message we, messages we've been speaking over the past number of weeks on submission. And even on our Wednesday night Bible study we're doing uh, by, with John Brevere called Driven by Eternity, they're all kind of coming together into a really neat package. Submission is the key to all of it. Until I can truly submit to God and to submit to what he would have for my life, I will have to tell us here this morning that until I can truly submit to God in all of the things he would have for us, can I just say that we're really not even a Christian? We really understand, we must understand submission. If I'm not submitting unto God and putting all the things that Jesus says in first place, then I'm really not a Christian. We are a form of Christianity that is not real. And so if you truly want to know what it means to be heaven-bound and, and going where you know you're going, then you truly must be submitted to everything that Jesus says. Don't pick out parts of Scripture that you like or don't like. Don't live by the easy things and put away the hard things. We need to live by the whole counsel of God's Word. And we need to be submitted to that. And with submission then comes relationship. Jesus was very submitted to his Father very submitted to his father. Not one time do we ever find him unsubmissive. And he is our example to follow. So therefore, I must follow as Christ followed in a submissive attitude. And Peter's going to continue to talk to us a little bit about that today. In fact, we're going to learn today as we talk about loving in spite of, loving in spite of people, living in spite of the problems in life, how we truly can act out and live out this life of submission. How do we live it out? How do we act it out? How do we live in it? We're going to talk about that today. We have to remember that Peter's whole emphasis here in 1 Peter is that he's preaching to a scattered church 
all around Asia Minor. They're scattered around. This is not just one body of believers in one part. No, this is the whole body of believers that have been scattered around Asia Minor, and they're scattered around because of persecution. They're heavily persecuted. Therefore, they've had to run for their lives in some cases, and others have just gone home to where they are from, and they are just building the church wherever they're at. So Peter is speech, speaking. He's writing to those people in and, and he's asking them and, and he's giving them instruction on how to be submissive and how to follow Christ in spite of all the persecution that they're going through. Reminding them of God's love in the face of persecution and difficulty. And in that, how we are to have a servant love attitude, that we are to serve Christ out of a servant heart in the face of persecution. Hard stuff, isn't it, to think about that? That in the, when things are going hard for us, we're to take our eyes off of our own struggles and yet serve and love people with an attitude of love like Jesus did. Now today, we're living in a world dominated by situational ethics and morality. It's all based upon the situation that we're in or the relative morality of things. It's an anything-goes mentality. Anything that pleases me in the moment is what we typically run after. And they say that times have changed. We're living in a 21st century. We're no, we're no longer bound by Old Testament or even New Testament rules and regulations. We're, we're enlightened. We are living in a progressive world where the beliefs of unchanging right and wrong no longer exist. It's all based upon the situation that I'm in. It's all based upon how much I love that person. Can I live with them out of the marriage covenant or even they can be my same sex. But I love them so much. Come on, we have to recognize that God's word never changes. We have to recognize that his ethics don't change by situation. His morality is standard and true and it doesn't bend towards a fickle feeling that we as people have our sign says it the best hebrews 13 8 our sign by the road jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever what does that mean say it say that with me jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever Amen. does that mean he changes ever <laughs> no he is the same so if he's the same, his word is the same. Jesus is the word made flesh. If he doesn't change, his word doesn't change. There's nowhere in Scripture that gives us the right to change our attitudes or actions toward God or toward people depending upon what people are doing to us or what's happening around us. Situational ethics do not apply in the, in, in the church of God. They do not apply here. This is what it means to have unconditional love that becomes alive and active in the life of a true follower of Jesus. That's why submission is so critical. Because if I can't truly submit my life to Christ, then how can I truly follow Christ? If I'm not truly submitted to him, then when his teachings become hard, then I have the option to abandon that for a, bo for a, for a, a bit until it softens. <laughs> and then I can come back in and jump back in again when it's something I can accept. 
Well, that's not scripturally being a follower of Christ. As hard as it sounds, we must live by and abide by Scripture. We're never in a situation where relativity changes things. God doesn't change. His Word doesn't change. Sin doesn't change. The definition of sin doesn't change. Sin is anything that falls short from the glory of God. Anything that would take me away from God is sin, and it doesn't change. No more does God's grace change that forgives sin. The consequence of disobeying doesn't change. The consequence of disobeying is still the same today as it was in Jesus' day. The consequence of disobeying is death and destruction and eternal hell. That doesn't change no matter where we're at in eternity, where we're at in time. The narrow gate and the narrow road doesn't change. We still are required to go back to that narrow gate of repentance and then live on that narrow road of living for Jesus. It doesn't change. The path to God is still the same, and it will always be the same. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone. We must recognize that. So it doesn't matter what year we're in, what century we're in, what your education level is, what your background is, how much money you make, how much money you don't make. It doesn't, it doesn't matter even on your past beliefs. It doesn't matter. God does not change. We are all on the same level ground at the foot of the cross. We are all equalized here to come in to read God's word and learn what it means and then learn to apply it so that we can live a life pleasing to him now and forever. That's where we're at. We're all the same. We're all in the same boat here. So with that said, Peter is continuing to talk to the people of his day about living a peaceful life, a successful Christian life among other Christians and even in the world to the best that they can by the power of the Holy Spirit no matter what's going on around them. This is a good word for us today no matter what the political system is, no matter what the agenda is, no matter what's going on in our jobs or in our economy. We live for Jesus unaltered. We don't submit to anything else. We don't bend our knee to any other person than Jesus Christ. Submission is that important. If we aren't living a submissive lifestyle unto all the counsel of God's word, then we really aren't living a Christian life that's pleasing to God. Can we, we just need to get that into our heart. We need to let that settle into us a little bit. We don't have the right to pick and choose. We must say it that way. Without judgment, without compromise. It's just the way it is. It's just the facts, guys. It's just the facts of living a godly life. Think of it in, in this way. If, you are, if there's issues in your life that you're struggling with, or if you've maybe even gone to the point of hardening your heart against some things in your life and your conscience has been seared because that can happen, that there must be a change in your life if you're going to honor God. If you've been struggling in some areas, you cannot continue to struggle and fall down over and over and over again. You must go to the point where God's grace is sufficient. His portion is all I need. His grace is sufficient to get me over the struggle of that struggle. The reality is we're not different until we're different. You can't live the same way the way you've been living and be different. You're not different until you're different. 
That is, that's, that's a simple little phrase. Just put that in your mind. I can't live like yesterday if I'm expecting to be different tomorrow. I have to be different right now. Peter begins to talk to us about how we can be driven by loving people as Christ loved people and how we can use that to help us change our life to be pleasing to the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 12 is our text today. If you, can, you can open up in your Bible and read it, or you can look up at the screen. But if you open your Bible, you can make notes. You can't make notes on the screen. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or, or insult with insult. On the contrary, Repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good, and they must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's pray. Father, Help us now to understand what this word means. Give us some insight. Give us your insight. Help us to live by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Who was Peter addressing this passage to? Finally, he says, if you go back to the first chapter uh, or verse 8, finally, all of you, all of you, be like-minded. All of you. Peter is addressing all Christians here. Now, we just finished last week in the chapter before, the part before this chapter, this passage, we just finished talking about uh, our families submitting to each other, husbands and wives. Spent quite a bit of time talking about the submission in that, in that vein. But now Peter is expanding his teaching. He's expanding his thoughts now into... All people living in peace and submission to Christian, a Christian lifestyle outside of the family unit. In the New King James Version, the scripture says we are to love as brothers. Love as brothers. He wouldn't be referring to husbands and wives by saying love as brothers. So he's clearly getting us out of the family unit now, getting us into the uh, relationship that we have with other people. Love as brothers. But I think we need to talk a little bit more about love before we start talking about brothers. What does it mean to love the way God loves? Love is a four-letter word. <laughs> Four letters, L-O-V-E, and, and it gets your attention because it demands our perspective. It demands our attention. What does Jesus think about love? What's that? Okay, to reinstate. Open your Bible to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It's interesting here that Jesus doesn't say that people will, you, will know that you are my disciples by what you say, or what you profess to be, or even how big a Bible you carry to church. No, he says people will know who you are by your love 
for people. Now, what does that mean? How do we show people that we love them? Give me some ideas. How do we show people that you love them? How do you show people that you love them? You serve them. What does that mean? Do something unexpected. Kind and courteous and thoughtful. And, and of course, you do that only because you know you're going to get something back from them, right? Oh, you mean we do things and not think we're going to get something back? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, though, our agenda, our perspective, our motivation. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 10 says, your love must be real. Hate what is evil. Do only what is good. Love each other in a way that makes you feel close like brothers and sisters. And give each other more honor than you give yourself. Your love must be real. Hate what is evil. Do only what is good. Love each other in a way that makes you feel close like brothers and sisters. But then here's the hardest part. Give each other more honor than you give yourself. Think of others more highly than you think of yourself. Showing that we love people is doing exactly what we talked about in great detail in submission last week. Submission is the key to loving people and showing them that I love them. I show them by submitting to them, by serving them, like Sparky said, by doing something for them, expected or unexpected, without the expectation of getting anything back from them. Is this easy? It all depends if I like you or not, quite honestly. <laughs> Let's be real here. I, I can serve you if I like you. Come on. Amen? Anybody else say that? Or am I the only one that's going to be honest here? <laughs> I mean, it's easy to love people that I like. And it's not so easy to love people that I don't like. Carry one another's burdens. Yeah. Yeah? Now you're getting into some hard work here, Sparky. You start, doing, you start, you start thinking that you're supposed to do things for people you don't like. And now, you, now you're setting some things that are going to bring a little challenge. You're going to step on some toes here. I hope you got steel-toed shoes on here today. Because, you know, if, if, if we're going to say that... If we truly are going to say that we are to do things for people that we don't like, that's hard work. But it's when we love like this, when we love people like this, this is the way that we can change people's attitude towards Christ. Because when I can love someone and show them that I love them, and I may not like them, and may, they may know that I don't like them, and they may not like me, but if I can show them that I love them, all of a sudden I think they're going to look at me and say, why are you doing this? And, and, and who are you? See, if I'm going to recognize that people see the fruit of my life, I have to be cognizant of the fact that if I, if I claim to be an apple tree, I better have apples on my branches. If I claim to be a Christian, I better have Christianity on my branches. 
If I claim to be a lover of God and a lover of people, they better be able to pick love off my branches. If they pick anything besides love off my branches, then I'm not who I say I, who I think I am. And that's going to be very confusing to the world. It's going to be very confusing to your family. It's going to be very confusing to your, to your children, parents. If they hear and say, mom and dad are Christians and go home and don't speak love to each other, don't speak love on the job, they grumble, complain, rumor, gossip. We're bringing a lot of confusion into those people that are saying, wait a second, I thought you said you loved people. I thought you said you loved God. Could you imagine Jesus doing that? You know that old saying, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I know that's a cliche. We're all tired of hearing it. You know, he's been on your wristbands possibly. But you know, if we could truly get that out of a cliche and into our real life, if I could really imagine that Jesus is standing with me, he's sitting with me, when I sit down to watch a TV show in my home, he's sitting in the chair right next to me. And when I flip on that TV, that Jesus is going to watch it with me. Would that change what you watched? Would it change what you listen to on your radio? Would it change what books you read? Would it change what jokes you tell? Would it, jo- would it change what you laugh at? If you knew Jesus was standing right next to you, and he's looking at you. I can only imagine what it must have been like for Peter. On the court of that night, when Jesus was being put on a jury trial in front of deceitful men, and Peter was recognized as one of the followers of Christ, and Peter denied him three times. And after that third time, they locked eyes. Could you imagine what Peter must have felt like when Jesus looked in his eyes after he just denied him three times? You see, and I think that's what we have to get to, folks. We have to recognize that Jesus, even though he's physically not right here, he is right here. There is no place I can go where he is not with me. So why do I play the game? Why do I think that I can get away with something when all in reality is he's right there and his eyes are looking at me of love and compassion and he's saying, Mike, don't do it. Or Mike, do it. Talk about me. Share me with your people, with your friends. Yeah. That's love. That's the kind of love that God is commanding us to have. There are four kinds of love. Eros, filio, storage, and agape. Now, a few weeks ago, we went through a whole study on those four, four um, kinds of love. And if you want to go back online, you can find it. But I'm going to talk to you about the love today that we can command. Because God says that we are to love people. Therefore, I can com- if God tells me to, com- if he tells me to love, there must be I can command that kind of love. Agape is the love that I can command. I can't command the other three forms of love very well. Maybe some to a degree. But here's what love is not. We talked about it in our Sunday school class today. Love is not feelings. Because I cannot command my feelings. My feelings come and go and they're fickle. But I can command agape love. 
Agape love is the one that Jesus is referring to, and it is the truly the only command, the kind of love that we can command. And one commentary says this about agape love. Agape puts the beloved first and sacrifices pride, self-interest, and possessions for the sake of that beloved. This is the love that God has for us, which inspired him to sacrifice his son and for his son to obey and sacrifice himself. It is the kind of love we are commanded to have one for another. God had agape love for us. Jesus had agape love for us because God commanded and Jesus followed. Jesus submitted to his Father's command to love people more than he loved his own life because he laid down his life for us as an obedient sacrifice for us. So what does that mean to us today? How do we apply that? How do we take the agape love that Jesus had and put it into our life so that it makes a difference for us? This is the kind of love that we are to develop and allow to take over our lives. I mean, take us over to consume us, to change us from the inside out so that we stop doing the things that promote my desires over your desires. This is hard work, folks. But this is what we can do. This is what we're commanded to do, that I stop putting my desires over you, especially when my selfish desires are hurtful to you or even when they're not hurtful. One of the problems, one of the, one of the real dilemmas we have here with sin today, especially pornography and other types of sin that are, that are hidden sins, is that people have a tendency to justify them to say, well, they don't hurt anybody. I, I can look at this website. I can do this. I can watch that movie. And it's not going to hurt anybody because nobody knows I'm doing it. Do you see the deception of the enemy here? Jesus knows you're doing it. He's sitting right next to you. You don't think it hurts him? You don't think that it breaks his heart? The thing that he died for and you're indulging in it and you're enjoying it? Yeah, it breaks his heart. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for us that would just reach down into us and help us in those times of indiscretion. Those times where that temptation would come in to dip into the bottle, nobody's going to know. Cheat a little bit here. Steal a little bit there. Rob my time for my employer a little bit there. These are not just the big sins I'm talking about. Talking about every area of our life. This is not just the big ones that we like to harp on, like the alcohol and the sex and all that stuff. No, I'm talking about everything. God is encompassing in everything, and our love is, he, he encompasses all of us. I know this is hard work, but it's important that we do this. This is the kind of love that Jesus commands us to love someone like, that we must be, an, it must be another level of love that can be commanded and controlled and it's not feelings. It's not based on feelings. First Peter 3, 8, then he says, he continues on, finally, all of you, all of you, that's you and I, all of us now, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. We're to treat people in a similar fashion as we've been treated by our God because that's just the way that Jesus treats us. He's like-minded, he's sympathetic, he loves, and he's compassionate, and he's humble towards us. And I'm supposed to be the same way towards him. 
regardless of how I feel about it in the moment, I'm to be the same way towards you, regardless of how I feel about it. It's interesting that we are to build people up. No matter how much I have in common or how little I have in common, I'm to build you up. That's my job, to build you up. I'm to, I'm to be an encourager of the brethren, and so are you. That doesn't come with being a pastor. That comes with being a Christian. Because remember, Peter's talking to all of us. He's just not talking to the pastors. He's not talking to the leaders. He's talking to all of us. We're to build each other up with godly agape love, meaning that I put your needs in front of mine. Wow. Well, it's interesting because this may be difficult to do. Let me give you an example here about how, um, you know, there are some people that I just like more than other people. Then there are some people that you just like more than other people. Do you, do we, can, can, we, can we admit that? I mean, is there something wrong with personalities here? God gives us all personalities, and he gives us all likes and dislikes, and it's okay that we recognize that. But God's love, though, doesn't separate personalities. Right? What we have in common doesn't mean that I don't have my be- your best intention at my heart and I'm not working for you and I'm not serving you just because we don't have a lot of things in common. Let me give you a simple example. All right? In our body, we have two eyes and we have two big toes. All right? Now, our two eyes have a lot in common with each other and they really like each other. They have a common task. They work together. Um, they're seen together all the time. They never separate themselves from each other. If they're healthy, they're helping each other see. They're, they're using that binocular vision to bring things together to give us depth perception. They're in, in unity together, right? Very important that our eyes work together. Now, I also have two big toes that are on the opposite extreme of my body. In fact, my big toes have a lot of things in common, too. They like each other. They're, they're often in step with each other, uh, no pun intended. Um, but they have a lot in common. My big toes and my eyes are all connected to the same body. And they have very little in common. There's not, there's not a lot in common between my eyes and my toes. My eyes are, when people, you know, they talk about eyes being the window to the soul. You look in someone's eyes and they're beautiful. And how many times are, do, you people, do you compliment people on, the, on their eyes? Oh, you have beautiful eyes. Your eyes are beautiful. They just are gleaming. How many times have you ever been complicated on your, or, uh, complimented on your big toes? Because big toes aren't typically very pretty. Yeah, no, mine aren't either. But you know, the fact of the matter is, though, they have nothing in common, but yet they're very important to each other. They must work together. There's no competition between the toe and the eye. The toe doesn't say, I can see better than you, and the eye doesn't say, I can walk better than you, because they both have a different function, but yet they're the same body. Very important that they work together. In fact, if they don't work together, the big toe suffers. Because when the eyes don't see that leg of that table, and you're walking barefoot through the house, and the eyes don't, See that table? Your toe suffers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, then the mouth speaks. In a similar fashion here, we are the body of Christ. Some of us are eyes, some of us are toes, and some of us are all in between. 
But it's important that we work together and we don't have competition with each other. We don't work against each other. We work for each other. And we see the significance of each other. You're very important to the body of Christ. It doesn't make any difference what your function is. Without you functioning, the body suffers. You're loved. You're valued. You're critical to this body of believers. And then Peter goes on a little bit more. He goes on and he says in verse 9, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Now he's talking to Christians here. (laughs) He's talking to Christians, and then he says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Do you mean Christians insult each other? Have you ever been insulted by another Christian? (laughs) Uh, This is a day of honesty. Come on. Christians can offend, they can insult, and they can even do evil things. Not right, not good, but the reality is it happens. Peter is dealing here in this letter with persecution of the church from outside and inside the church. Sometimes inside the church can be the toughest place to live because you have people that just don't quite get it. We're all on a journey, folks. We're all struggling together. This is a one-room schoolhouse here. We have some advanced students and we have some beginner students. And we all are trying to get along in this one room together. And we have to recognize that somehow, sometimes you're going to be insulted or you may even insult someone by a, a, a crass statement, something maybe the filter wasn't on right. Oh, I had a dad that was that way. Anybody know my dad? <laughs> yeah. My dad was good at that. He was the best insulter we knew. He didn't always mean it that way, I will tell you, but he just didn't have a filter on most of the time. And someday I'm going to see Dad in heaven, and Dad, we're going to have a lot of conversations. But here's the point of this. It's how we handle the criticalness inside the church that makes a difference. When the body insults the body, he says, Peter says, don't repay evil with evil. Don't give back another insult with an insult. Whether what you say is you love people. You have to look over. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing. Don't get a tit-for-tat thing going. Because you said this, I'm going to say that. Don't hold a grudge. You see, this is exactly where the devil wants to come in because this is where he destroys the testimony of churches. This is where he comes in and says, you bunch of hypocrites. You talk this great thing on love, and look how you treat each other. You're chewing each other up all the time. You're talking down to each other all the time. You're hurting each other, and you're enjoying it. That's the devil's strategy, right? Let's recognize who we are. We're not the devil's children here. We're God's children. So let's play well in the sandbox together. Let's share the toys a little bit, okay? Let's get along, and let's love people in the midst of it all. If the church can go on a rampage and the devil can take advantage of it, Man, that's how he wins in the world that we're in today. So let's just be aware of his strategies and let's not let him get a foothold in any way, shape, or form in our body. Let us love each other as we're supposed to love each other. Remember what we said about you can, no, one cannot be different until you're different. You really can't be different than anybody else until you're different in where you're living and how you're living. You can't have a different 
end goal in mind until you have a different life here on earth right now. You have to understand that. And then Peter goes on, because, you were, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. How many wants a blessing? How many like blessings? Yeah, we want to be blessed. We want God's blessing on us. We want that. So how do we get blessings? We get blessings by being obedient. Let's not confuse here the fact that obedience to God and, 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 and the blessings that come are not because God loves us. Do not confuse God's love with God's blessing. God's love is unconditional, but his blessings are very conditional. You have to read God's word to believe that. Go through and read God's word. God says, if you do this, I will do this. If you do that, I will do that. I will bless as you give. As you are obedient, I will bless. He never says, I will love you if you do that. His love is unconditional, but his blessings are very conditional. And we must recognize that and don't confuse the two. Don't get confused because God's love and his blessings are not the same because they're not. I, I inherit a blessing when I do things that would put me in a position to receive a blessing. I don't inherit God's love when I do things to inherit God's love. God's love is unconditional. He loves me. He will always love me. And he can never love me more, nor can he ever love me less. But I can please him more, or I can please him less. I want to live a life of pleasing my Father. I do that by loving people. I do that by loving him back. Let's not confuse the two. And then it helps us tremendously when I can keep my eyes focused on heaven. When I can keep my eyes focused to where I'm going, I can live, for, I can live this life so much better when I recognize that this is not my home that I'm living this as a temporary place. Jesus is my guide. He's my provider. He's my healer. He, does all, he gives me all my portion. He gives me everything that I need to get through this traveling journey place into my eternal home, which is heaven. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things. You want to know how to love people? Get your mind out of the gutter of this earth. Get your mind out of the things of this world and you can start loving people the way God loved people. Set your mind on heavenly things where God is at and where Jesus is at and, and knowing that that's your destination and that's where you're going. And when you start to see God that way, you can love people differently because you're seeing them the way he's seeing them. Huge. And then Peter finishes up this passage by actually he's quoting. Peter's quoting Psalms 34. And he didn't even have a Bible. Can you believe it? Amazing he could quote a scripture. Psalms 34, 12 through 16. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. 
verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on who? The righteous. And his ears do what? They're attentive to their cry. Is that conditional? Is that conditional that God's listening to the righteous? What's, but, what about verse 16? But the face of the Lord is what? Against those who do evil. Jackie, would you come this morning? See, to live a life of love is a life of submission. Jackie, or Larry, put that, if you would put that passage back up here. Let, let's read through this again slowly together. Read with me slowly. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from what? And turn your lips from doing what? Turn from evil and do what? Do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. You think God's serious about evil? You see, if I want to be a godly man, if I want my prayers to be effective, if I want my life to count for something, I need to listen to these words. I need to keep my tongue from evil. I need to do good. I need to hate evil. We talked about it in Sunday school class. We need to learn to love the way God loves and we need to learn to hate the way God hates. Do you know that God hates? What does he hate? He hates evil. He loves people, but he hates evil. That's why Jesus had to come and pay the price, the ultimate price, to die for us because he hated evil. He hated the devil. He hated what the devil stood for. And today, I think many of us are, have a hard time with this today because I think many of us indulge in this sin. We indulge with the things that would that we laugh at. This morning, I just want to bring the challenge to us this morning. Are you willing to submit your life to love people that aren't like you? Are you willing to love them, the ones that aren't like you? Can you really treat people differently this week in your workplace? Can you really treat people differently this week at school? Can you really treat your wife different or your husband different? Let's bring it right home. You see, what we do here really as I'm living in the world, I'm either living a life drawing people to Christ or repelling them away from Christ. If I'm living as a man that is declaring to be Christ-like, declaring to have the love of Christ in my life, but they're not picking love off my fruit, then I am not attracting them to the goodness of God. When I can love people that aren't lovable, and when I can treat them with respect, 
and I can love it, and I can love them in, ir, irregardless of how they're treating me. I'm earning the, the, the I'm earning the right to be heard from them. I'm earning the right that they will now listen to me because I'm treating them differently. I'm treating them with love. I'm treating them with respect. You see how that really helps our witness? How that really helps our testimony? When I can love people that are different from me without judging them, I don't agree with them. And here's a really amazing thing is when people, they, we may not get people to agree with us. We may never get them to see it the way we see it. But if they can see my love for them in the process, I'm winning now with them because I'm winning the right to be heard. They will come and listen differently now because I'm not forcing them to understand the way I'm forcing. I'm loving them. I know it's hard, but this is how we gain access. This is how we get into the hearts of people by loving them. Can we do that this week? Can we really work hard at it this week? Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we've been given a lot of meat here today, a lot of things to work on. And Lord, I pray that we really can love people the way you love people. Lord, I just repent of the things that I've done that are wrong. And uh, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to make your grace real to me and to this church. The grace that forgives, but then the grace that empowers us to live an overcoming life, a life full of love for people. The same people you loved enough to die for are the same people I need to live and love enough to live for, that I will live for them like you died for them. We invite you here in our presence now to help us throughout this week. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.